everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. You're here with me, Samrin, today, and with In, and we have so much to discuss. But In, how are you? How's everything going? I'd say everything is going more or less okay. I would say I've had a busy week, but Bayern Munich has arguably had a busier week because we've been inundated with a lot of transfer rumors lately. A lot of them a little bit kind of contradictory in a way, but I guess we'll be talking about that. What about you, Sam? What's How's your week been? We had the 4th of July weekend here, which meant there mm-hmm. was a gap in the week, which just confused me for the rest of the week. And somehow by Friday, I was equally tired. So I guess it was a successful and productive week, but confused. And the Bayern rumors are extremely frustrating and getting under my skin. But in I will leave you to start us on that. Uh-huh. So first of all, we have Harry Kane. Which I can't believe we are actually talking about this even now, now that it's been over what two weeks since the original Harry Kane rumors by Fabrizio Romano really broke. We have no, it wasn't Romano, it was David Onstein, which is even more crazy. We know that Bayern Munich wants Harry Kane, and the latest update is that Daniel Levy really wants to make sure that Bayern Munich pay either out their nose or he might even decide to keep Kane for one more year. And decide not to sell him no matter what, which is quite concerning to read about because I feel like Levy is the kind of man who would really do that out of spite. And on the other hand, by Munich, we have the reports that we have a limit of around 100 million euros for Harry Kane, which, well, we can debate the merits of spending 100 million on a 29 year old, soon to be 30 year old player who is only going to be here for what, three seasons at the most in his prime. So, I'm kind of I'm kind of concerned, but I'm also still a little bit excited because there is the sense that Bayern Munich are really pushing for this and Kane really wants to join, which is not something I could have said about this transfer maybe, you know, two months ago when we were looking at all the potential striker options. So, I mean, you have not actually weighed in on the Kane debate yet. It was me, Chuck, Tom and Schnitzel so far. So you tell me, what do you think from your perspective on the Harry Kane rumors? If there's one transfer I've ever wanted at Bayern, it's this one. And even when Germany were at the Euros and then later at the World Cup, it it was at the back of my mind. But like you, about a month ago, I was pretty convinced that it's not going to happen because it was not just Daniel Levy. It was also Kane himself that we needed to convince. Once the player is convinced, there's not really... There's no going back from there, really. We did it with Javi Martinez, where Bilbao were just very reluctant to let him go. And Lewandowski ran down his contract to join Bayern once upon a time. And hey, we made a 50 million profit off of him years later. But the more I'm kind of I'm kind of pessimistic here. The more the weeks go by, the less I feel this is going to happen. I know Kane comes back from holiday on the 12th and that will seemingly be a decisive day or the next few days of that week will be decisive toward this move. But Levy Levy is quite aware of the fact that he is not very popular right now among the Spurs fan base. But is he really willing to lose $100 million to maintain his popularity? Isn't that going to hurt Spurs in the long run? Spurs is not run by investment funding from elsewhere in the world. So... I don't know how much does Daniel Levy have to keep Spurs afloat while they're not playing Champions League football. They could take that hundred million and invest in so much young talent. 
but I, I don't know, man. Like Levy didn't let him go to Man City, but maybe that maybe the push that Kane needs now to push harder for an exit and actually go somewhere where he can win things. What are you thinking? Well, I think that Kane finally has like he already wanted out last season, right? He wanted to go to Man City and Levy blocked that move. So this time it's kind of different because I think Kane has been like has been prepared to leave Tottenham for quite some time now and he just did not have a proper suitor outside of England until today which is Bayern Munich. So he is kind of latching on to Bayern because well Real Madrid they are all in on Mbappe so they are not looking at Kane right now otherwise they would have gotten Kane I think and Barcelona well they already have Lewandowski a lot of money invested in him so they can't get Kane and PSG PSG are a lesser destination compared to Bayern Munich so Kane himself probably won't be looking at them. That means that we are in a specific position for Harry Kane where he has one year left on his contract and we're the only reasonable place that he can go to Levy and say, hey, you can sell me to these guys because they are outside England and they won't compete with you for the upcoming season because they are not in the Champions League. But we have talked about this before and I think that we have established that there are many reasons why Harry Kane would want to come to Bayern Munich. I think the one side that we have been ignoring in all of this discussion is the Spurs side of things. So I want to think about it from the Spurs side. They have been making a few transfer moves already this window. I think they got James Madison. I think they signed him. And I also think they signed Pedro Porro. And both of those, neither of them were cheap. They may be cheap by Premier League player standards, but they are not cheap overall. And that's kind of uncharacteristic of Spurs. If you know how they do transfers, they tend to kind of take their time and it's kind of frustrating for their fans usually. But this season, they seem to have been moving a bit quickly. And I kind of wonder, and this has been speculated online as well, whether Daniel Levy knows that he's going to lose Kane later in the window. So he's getting his business done early because once the Kane transfer goes through, when teams know they have that 100 million to spend, they're going to be raising their prices across the board. So this is all just a massive smokescreen so the Spurs can get their targets in and ship off some of their dead weight and then they will finally budge and come to the negotiating table with Bayern Munich. The alternative is, and I just wrote an article today talking about how Spurs have raised their season ticket, sorry, not season ticket, their match day ticket prices across the board. They have still frozen season tickets, but match day tickets have risen by around 20%. And this is pretty significant because there is a lot of anger in the Spurs fan base about this. Spurs have, they don't have a kind of Bundesliga-esque 50 plus one structure, right? So despite that, there have been protests against Daniel Levy and their, well, he is a partial owner of Spurs. There have been protests against him and who's the other guy? What was his name? Joe Lewis or whatever. They have been protests against them and they don't like these owners and they think that they're holding Spurs back and ruining the club and et cetera, et cetera. The usual thing, you're an Arsenal fan, you'll know what I'm talking about. Right. So with that in mind, I think that Devi, given that he's pushed this kind of thing through, it would be very hard for him to sell the idea of letting Kane, Harry Kane, the homegrown boy, the England captain, and also one of their major top scorers for the last few seasons, letting him leave in a season where they don't have Champions League football, they have a new coach coming in, an untested coach at this level. It's going to be very difficult for him. And because of that, we could see a situation where Bayern Munich may be forced to give up on this transfer simply because there is no 
number that Bayern Munich would feasibly pay that Spurs would agree to. And that concerns me because you know what the alternative is, right? The alternative is not going to be someone like Kolomwani, Vlajovic, Osman. The alternative is going to be Nicholas Fulkrug. I'm okay with that. I'm not. I'm not at all. <laughs> Come on. Look, look. Oh my God. Look, first of all, you're okay with Kane staying at Spurs? No, look, I really want Kane to come. But there is there is the possibility that Bayern plays an okay season with Fulkrug, Chupo, uh, Tell, some combination of those three um, up front, you know, whenever whoever's fit. Chupo wasn't fit for a very long time at the end of last season and brings in Fulkrug for a full season. Great. Or even maybe loans Fulkrug from Werder Bremen with the option to buy. And then... At the end of the day, Kane will be a free agent next year and he can go anywhere he wants. The troubling bit for me then is he might choose to stay in England. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because this yeah. season, it's it's not like English clubs don't want him. We have reports that Man United want a striker and they want Harry Kane. But it's not even being entertained as an option because English clubs don't like to sell their star players to each other. They will sell their dead weight, but not their stars. So it's... It's just that the confluence of factors mean that this is the perfect time for Bayern Munich to sign someone like Harry Kane. I do have to point out that this is something that was mentioned, is that if we wait a year, Osman enters the final year of his contract next summer. So that means we might get a better deal from Napoli and Osman will only be, what, 25 or something by then? So we could get our next long-term striker by doing that for around the same price as getting Harry Kane this summer. But, and this is why I don't want this stopgap option. I think we have a very good squad. And I think that Harry Kane is genuinely that small missing link. That guy who can take this squad from the level that it's at, which is pretty close to the level of teams like, I think, Real Madrid and Manchester City are the two best teams in the world right now. And Bayern Munich is not very far behind them. I think that if we get Kane, we can go right up to that Man City level and really challenge for the Champions League. I'm not against having Chupo next season as a backup, but I am very much against going into next season with someone like Nicholas Fulkrug, who I think he's a good striker, but I don't think he's a great striker. And I think we need a great striker for Thomas Tuchel to succeed next season. And even if Thomas Tuchel gets fired by October, we need a great striker for whoever we get as a replacement to work with next season. You know? Yeah, I think... One thing I really, really have loved watching Kane do down the years is just pull back and get involved in the hold-up play. Bayern needs strikers like that. Lewandowski did do it, but he didn't do enough of it all the time. And he had Thomas Muller do his business for him a lot. I, I really do also feel that Kane is the missing piece of the puzzle. Although, although we have problems in the back line that we're probably going to get to talk about later on. But... I don't know. And Danny Levy is is really hard to deal with. And on Osman, Napoli have always been really hard to deal with. Exactly. Like Aurelio De Laurentiis is even worse than Daniel Levy, in my opinion. It's yeah. reportedly even harder to negotiate with him, which is why Napoli is in the position that they are. They are one of the big heavyweights in Europe right now. And right down to the fact that he has been extremely aggressive at keeping his players at Napoli, despite the fact that Napoli is not a club known for having a lot of money. Like, I think Borussia Dortmund could learn a thing or two from them. But yeah. yeah. What do you think 
is a good alternative that is not as expensive as either Kane or Osman if this Kane well, transfer does been, not go through. I've been mentioning him for ages now, which is Vlaovic. Yeah, because I, I think we could get him for 70 million plus add-ons, something like that. You know, I, I, I think we could do that. I think we could pull that off because Juventus, they are... Uh, they they need to sell him because he hates Allegri and Allegri hates him or any attacking player for that matter. And we have a good relationship with Juventus. We did business with them uh, about Matthias Delict last season and they gave us, they wanted 120 million, but eventually settled for 76 millions for plus add-ons. So, well, I, I think we could get a good deal from them. And Vlajevic, I, I keep saying this, he's not an elite striker right now. But if you put him in Bayern Munich system, if you put... Guys like Muziala, Muller, Sane, etc. around him, then you will get a lot of goals from him. That's just what we need, right? It's it's that yeah. simple. But it's not as good an option as, in my opinion, as Harry Kane because I have mentioned this in the comments, but I don't know if I mentioned it on podcast. Is that if you get Kane, there is a certain benefit to that, which is Matisel. He will be able to learn from one of the best strikers in the world, and. Kane will probably move on in around three years. We will have some resale value from that because I think at 33, Kane might still command a fee of around 45 to 50 million euros from some English club somewhere, right? And he plans to go back to England anyway and beat Shearer's record. So I think that's very plausible. We can sell him at that point after we have got his three or four best years behind him. And then we can promote someone like Matty Tell, who will be around 22, 23 by that point, And he might be able to take over at that point. And that will save us the money that we spent on Tell from becoming a wasted investment, which it would be if we were to buy someone like Osman or Vlaovic or anyone young like that. You know, that's why I have yeah. another incentive for maybe going, maybe paying above odds a little bit for Harry Kane, because... It's the resale value and also the value of him mentoring Tell into something that can be our next top striker. Yeah, I I had this at the back of my mind and I was thinking that if Kane doesn't go through, why don't we just stick Tell up top and just get started well, like that? Well, the thing is that it's Tuchel, right? That's the, he's the problem. <laughs> he's the entire yes. problem because yes. when Chupo was injured last season, why didn't we just use Tell, right? Uh. Man, that that's the biggest problem, right? And that's the entire reason that and we are having this conversation about a striker right now. I can understand that when Chupo is fit, you can prefer his experience and his hold up play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when he was injured, why not? And the reason is that Tupol does not trust the young players, and players that he does not know that well. So because of that, we are forced into this move, which will benefit us because it benefits what the coach wants. It would not be essentially my preferred move in a vacuum. But given the circumstances, I can't say that there is any better move than getting Harry Kane in. And at this point, I'm honestly prepared to say that I think we should pay as much as a hundred million pounds for him, which is I think 110, 15 million euros. I, I think we should go as high as that. I think, I just don't see behind doing it. I think, okay. They they really surprised me when they put in eighty million for Luca Hernandez, but I don't see Bayern breaking the hundred million without having sold some assets. Last year I could see well, it happening. You know, that's million. what we were gonna get to, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. it's weird we haven't sold anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's the big problem. So you want to talk about that? Like we haven't sold. Yeah. Um. 
there have been rumors about Sadio Mane, about offers coming in for Mane. Bayern mm-hmm. is willing to sell, but it seems that Mane doesn't want to, to go. Yeah, yeah. We are desperate to yeah. sell, but yeah, it's we, just we, yeah. Like Saudi Arabia, look, I can get Mane's idea of wanting to prove himself at Bayern, but no one wants him here. Please, I just hope that he goes. I hope he has a conversation with Tupel, and Tupel just frankly tells him, "Yeah, I, we don't need you here. Please just take the money and leave," because. <laughs> We could really use that. Maybe even if it's 15 million, hopefully 30 million, we could really use that. Aside from that, we have no news of Lucas Hernandez. Like, what's going on with his transfer? He was spotted partying in Paris with Marco Ferrati recently. So the transfer is basically all but official. But what about the transfer fee? I We are hearing around 50 million. The buying meaning one fifty million and PSG only want to offer 45. We heard this with... Barcelona and Lewandowski last season, so this is nothing new for us. But like, how is it taking this long to get this transfer over the line? Why is it taking so long? And the same thing goes for Benjamin Pavard. We don't have any rumors linking Benjamin Pavard to a departure yet, other than the fact that he does not want to extend his contract and he wants to leave. So there is a chance here that Bayern Munich could really find itself starved of incoming transfer fees to fund this massive outlay that we have planned in this transfer window because we still haven't given up on signing a new DM and there are rumors that we might have to sign a goalkeeper which we will talk about soon. Yeah, uh, I believe that there is a slight possibility that Pava will be in this squad, that Hernandez will be in the squad with Pamecano. Um, we haven't heard much about selling him but he did change his agents recently. He will be in the squad. Jan Zomer will end up in the squad because we're not sure on Manuel Neuer. Yeah. So it's it, there is a very good chance and you know, Sadio Mane will convince everybody that he doesn't want to leave even after Tuchel to, might tell him otherwise, because as we know, Tuchel's tenure at Bayern might be kind of short-lived and Mane might just want to write that out. There is every possibility that this will happen. And I think this issue, Bayern used to get transfers done very quietly and very quickly. Long sagas happened, but they were more on the rare side. But for the last two seasons, all we have seen are these long sagas that just kind of drag deep into July, deep into August. And it's it's kind of disturbing. A Kane transfer, yes, he's an English player and there would be rumors, would probably have been pushed through by now as well. I don't know. Is is something different about Bayern's negotiations? Is something different about the way the transfer market has been operating over the last two seasons? Uh, something something is up. Uh, if and I also think if PSG does not pay at least fifty for Hernandez, who, despite the injury track record, is one of the best central defenders in the world, I understand why Bayern is not willing to budge. With Pava in, are there? Rumors linking him to other clubs. I think I heard AC there was Milan Barcelona. at some point. There was Barcelona, Barcelona and mm-hmm. it can't be Milan, right? Because they're broke. How yeah. are they going to pay for him? Yeah, and Barcelona also are well, technically Barcelona, broke. Barcelona have levers, right? Like <laughs> it was. It was not until recently that they were still paying us for Arturo Vidal. So, what? I mean, oh yes, I remember. Yeah. So, um, look, Barcelona might may take a hundred years, but they will give us the money eventually. Milan, I don't... The thing about Italian clubs this summer is that they're all broke. Completely. Utterly. Like, Serie A financially is a graveyard right now. Okay. Like, we talk about Bundesliga clubs and being unable to buy. But you have Dortmund spending 30 million on Felix Mecha, which I don't understand, first of all. And second, 
that's a decent argument. Serie A clubs can't even seem to spend that much on anyone. And they're all having fire sales of their best players just to like keep the lights on. Because of that, I don't see Serie A team coming in and making bids for our players. Our best bet is someone from the Premier League coming in and saying, okay, we'll pay 40 million for Benjamin Pavard, which I think is around what he's worth. It will be a pretty big L if the board can't sell Lucas Hernandez and Benjamin Pavard for at least 90 million combined total. Like, yeah, we yeah. bought them for 115 total, at least 90 million yeah. total. That would be a decent, decent return on them, given that their performances over the seasons. If not that, then how do we, because we already spent 50 million on Kim Min Jae. That wipes out the entire Lucas game. If we spend, we have to spend 100 million on a striker, probably. If we don't, and we end up with full crew, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we not trying to win the Champions League next season? What is going on? We have so many good players on this squad, but they're not going to stick around forever. Like Manuel Neuer, how long is he going to stay around? Thomas Muller, he has maybe two seasons at the top left in him. Maybe, I, I think he could stay along for longer, but I don't know if Bayern will keep him for that long. So it's now or never. And spending, it, it's time to spend. Because if we don't spend, we will fall behind and it's always more expensive to catch up to the top dogs than it is to keep up with them, which I've always said. Yeah, well, there was a time in Bayern's history not that long ago when we kind of just didn't focus all in on the Champions League because we just couldn't compete. The mid-2000s, the late-2000s, until that run to the final in 2009-10. And then it was much easier to catch up. The transfer fees were not as inflated. Ribery coming in was a game changer, but the real game changer was Robin, who cost like $25 million, I think, at the time from Real Madrid. And these two transfers would turn out to change the history of the club. And then the homegrown talent coming up, which is another thing. Um, aside from Stanisic, there's not much I see in terms of homegrown talent coming up. And, you know, Tuchel, Tuchel doesn't play Stanisic. So that's, I just don't see Bayern operating at a loss. It just doesn't happen with Bayern. And I think that Bayern would be willing to forego Champions League success if that meant keeping the books balanced. At the end of the day, um, I think it was Ryan in our chat who was saying that Bayern is the world's biggest small business, something along the lines. And I completely agree with that. Bayern still kind of operates with the small business mentality, which has made the club very successful. But right now, with this kind of financial market, with Man City playing, paying egregious amounts of money, with Newcastle having that kind of spending power, it might just mean that a season of foregoing success might lead to more than just one season spent in the wilderness. But as as a supporter, I I think Bayern's name carries far. We were reading today that apparently um, Kim Min Jae, we know that Kim Min Jae had other offers, but he chose to come to Bayern and many players will keep choosing Bayern regardless. Uh, it, it's a tough one. It really is. But it, the, on the other side, we're also hearing about the sales of some of our best players. We hear that Mazrawi might not have a place in the squad because of Kyle Walker, which I, don't get me started on this. It makes me so mad. There are rumors afloat that Bayern might listen to offers for Leon Goretzka, which would absolutely kill me. One bad season this guy has had, and he's not in Tuchel's books. But then again, we don't know if Tuchel will last past October. Speaking of which, do you think that Mazraoui will be sold in? And do you think this Kyle I Walker transfer might actually go through? Well, look, I think that Kyle Walker is 
in comparison to Harry Kane, I think Kyle Walker is just using us for a better contract with City. Because I think Kane wants to leave, whereas Walker is using us because we still don't have an official offer made for Kyle Walker yet. That means that Bayern Munich are not convinced that he wants to come here. Right. We don't have personal terms agreed. And if it's taking this long to agree personal terms after negotiations were started such a long time ago, I don't think he wants to come here. And if he does end up here, I don't think like it will be the right choice because this will just be another excuse for Thomas Tuchel to mess around with a back three or to bench Matrawi. And, you know, I don't want to go through another two months of that and then sack the coach and then restart again. I would like a little more stability and... Because of that, I would rather keep that 15 million or so, which is a very high amount for a 33-year-old defender, I should point out, 15 million euros. I would prefer that they keep that and maybe spend it on literally anything else. Maybe just put it in the Kane fund and make sure that he gets here. Because, look, it's not like compared to... I, I keep talking about this Kane thing because I keep comparing them because they're both English and they're both established stars on... Premier League clubs, but Kane is a guy who could take us to the next level. So I'm not worried about spending a large amount on him. Kyle Walker, I think he would cause, like, I think he would be a great player for us and he definitely would fit into the squad with a good coach, but I think he would cause a few more problems than necessary. And I don't see why we actually need him because if I look at our defense from top to bottom, like at right back, we have Mitrawi and Sanisic. At left back, we have Davies and Barrero. And central defense, we have Upamecano, Delict, and Jay. So that's a very solid back line. Two options at each position and three options for two spots at center back. That's very good. I don't know how many teams out there can boast that level of quality. Now, whether or not we keep that level of quality in upcoming seasons is a different question. But for this season, I think we are well-equipped. And I don't want us to go out and spend our limited funds on someone like Carl Walker just because Tuchel wants him. I don't think that's going to be a good idea because as we've seen, what Tuchel wants is not necessarily what's good for Bayern Munich. Why do you think Tuchel has been allowed this much of a say in transfers? Or is it simply the fact that Bayern's transfer goals just don't happen to align with Tuchel's right now, such as the Kane situation? I don't think he's been allowed that much of a say, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, we have been looking for a striker, but it's kind of more like we should have bought a striker last season, honestly. And it was Nagelsmann's influence, in my opinion, that kept us from buying a true striker. On top of the fact that there were no true drop strikers available last season. The only ones that were available were Haaland, who ended up going to Man City, and Darwin Nunez, who honestly was not good enough for Bayern Munich, given that Liverpool paid a massive fee for him and ended up getting burned. So, yeah. Given the circumstances, I understand why we didn't go for a striker last season, but I still think we should have. And this season, we're just, com- we're just correcting that mistake, right? The defensive midfielder thing, since we couldn't get Rice, we're not going all in on the next option. It feels like Bayern Munich is going to tell Tuchel, hey, we couldn't get your preferred defensive midfielder, but you still have Joshua Kimmich, so just use him. Which is not an example of a coach getting 100% control over the squad, like what Tuchel has been rumored to get. I think it's a much more reasonable part where the board and the coach have some targets and have an idea of what the squad should look like. And they're just going out and fulfilling that, which is how it should work. I'm not that concerned in that sense about the direction. I will be more concerned if certain players who are, in my opinion, very crucial to our future, 
Ches Mitsraoui or Upamecano, they are allowed to leave because that would be, well, that would be a step too far in the wrong direction. Letting a player like that leave, that would, that would be a mistake that reverberates through years and years and years of, well, I don't know how to describe it. It would just be a catastrophic mistake that I don't know how we could recover from because how long did it take us to find a player like Matsraoui who can genuinely play right back at a level that we have not seen except for Joshua Kimmich since Philip Lam retired, right? Yeah, Masrawi Masrawi blew my mind pretty much every time he took the pitch last season. And But it also seems that he's not in Tuchel's good books. And I think you're right in saying that Bayern will tell Tuchel, you have Kimmich, you have... Goretzka, who you could potentially try in defensive, in a in a different, in a Kimmich-ish role. I don't think he would be that great. I think he's better as an eight anyway. But you have Guerrero, who can also play in midfield. You could try him in a slightly different role and just going to tell Tuchel to suck it up and deal with yeah. it. Yeah. I just, my fear is that instability as well because I have seen that Bundesliga schedule and it does not look favorable to Tohol. Okay, so schedule, yes. I, I think you saw my article about the Bundesliga schedule on the website, right? And there were some pretty, I'll say, some pretty controversial reactions to that. So I'm going to talk about it because in case anyone doesn't know, the schedule for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga this season looks like this. Match day one versus Werder Bremen, two versus Augsburg, then Gladbach, then Bayer Leverkusen, then Bochum, then RB Leipzig, then SC Freiburg, then Mainz, then Darmstadt, then Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, so honestly, I mentioned in the article that we could genuinely lose up to 15 points in the first 10 match days, which, like, it would get Tuchel fired for sure. And because of that, I'm just wondering, like, what are we in for here, right? Yeah, I share some of your concerns just looking at those matches. I think Werder Bremen will be okay. Yeah. Augsburg is trouble. Gladbach yes. is always trouble. Leverkusen is coming in with a coach that worked well for them and a pretty strong squad. That that could be a potential banana skin. Bochum, for whatever reason, there are times we really struggle against Bochum. And I've never understood it, but we do. Leipzig, well, Leipzig yeah. almost reignited the title race that was, you know, there was well, no they need did to reignite it. it. It's only that Dortmund <laughs> threw a bucket of water on it and then the next match day. So, yeah, all of these fixtures. Freiburg, again, a team we lost to this season in the cup. Yeah, and Mainz, Mainz, we lost in the league, right? Yeah, we lost them in the league and we dropped yeah. points against both of them in the league. So, yeah, yeah. Darmstadt, I think we could deal with them, but yeah, it's always Darmstadt. hard to face a newly promoted team early in the season, right? Yeah. And knowing Tuchel and his uh, his obsession with playing slow, not really utilizing the pace that Bayern has enough, just being deliberate and trying to break down teams that sit with 10, like he tried to do with Freiburg in the cup and going nowhere. That is a possibility. And again, one of our biggest issues last season was not being able to put away chances. And no Kane and a potentially half-injured Chupo could could spell bad news again. But also, these are all very different types of games. Augsburg will probably sit back. Gladbach, um, Gladbach's lost a lot of players. We'll probably try to hit on the counter. And win. Leverkusen and 
<laughs> Leverkusen will probably play more on the front foot. So very different yeah. kinds of fixtures. And none of these teams has Tuchel historically had a good match plan against as Bayern manager. Xavi Alonso, although we played Leverkusen before he came on, Xavi Alonso outclassed Julian Nagelsmann with with a very solid game plan. So Tuchel needs a strong start here because the leash got a little bit short with the way that last season ended, regardless of the fact that we won the title. Mm -hmm. Given the way that last season ended, I would think that Bayern Munich should be going all out in the window this season, but it doesn't necessarily feel that way. It will. It might feel that way if we land Kane, but until then, it doesn't feel like we're making too many big changes to the squad. We have two players secured in Guerrero and Limer, but they're not really game changers. They we are in fact just sitting here wondering how they're going to fit into our squad, and they don't necessarily make the starting eleven. In the meantime, we are set to lose Joao Cancelo, who was going back to Man City. We are set to lose Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, and we are also set to lose who else? Is there anyone else leaving? Did you mention Masrawi as a possibility? I think you did. Yeah, we don't. We already did mention Masrawi, but I yeah. still feel that Masrawi is not going to be allowed to leave because I hope so. Like that would be so dumb, right? What's happening with Gravenberg, by the way? Who, know, who knows? Who cares? <laughs> does anyone? Does anyone care? Does anyone care? Gen- genuine question. Does anyone care what's happening with <sighs> Gravenberg? Man. I did enjoy like we, his complaining. It, though. it would be nice. It would be yeah. nice. To, it would be nice to sell him. It would be nice if he could shut up and just play football. Like, look, I don't really care about what Gravenberg does because at his position, we have so many options, right? That it literally does not matter, other than the fact that we spent a really a, a lot of money on this guy, and we kind of do need him to come good if Brazil's transfer record is going to look anywhere near decent. But other than that fact, in terms of just competitiveness on the pitch. Gravenberg is a non-factor, in my opinion. So I don't want to yeah. think about him too much. A guy who yeah. is a factor, though, is, well, Manuel Neuer. And he might not be back for the start of next season. That is, I think, out of all the things that I've heard, that might be the most concerning part, you know? I agree. Uh, which which leads to the question of what are we going to do with Jan Sommer? Because the idea was that there would be a seamless transition where Jan Zomer would be allowed to leave and Neuer would come back yeah. and reclaim his spot on his, his chair, his throne, whatever you want to call it. But it looks like it's not going to happen, which puts Bayern in a really tough position because, look, um, this may be my my favorable view of Gladbach talking, but I don't think Jan Zomer is going to... is I don't think Jan Zomer should be a number two. If he is around, he should be a number one. Otherwise, he should be sold to a club where he'll be allowed to be a number one. Also, we talked about this numerous times last season. Neuer changes the way that Bayern plays. Yep. And Neuer's absence means that Bayern starts a foot backward and relies more on whatever nonsense Tuchel is going to throw out on the pitch next season. Um, without having Neuer's distribution, without having Neuer playing on the front foot. Jens Omer is a very good keeper, but Gladbach did not play the way that Bayern did. So his instincts are different and he's adjusted differently. So, which leads me to the question, and what do you think Bayern's best option here is? Honestly, I think that, well, it's very hard, right, to say this, but I think that it might just be fine to go into next season with Manuel Neuer and Sven Ulreich again, you know? Because I agree, definitely. I, yeah. Because I think that we have we have a gentleman's agreement with Jan Sommer that we will allow him to leave 
this summer for whatever for the amount that we purchased him for and there is a buyer lining up which is inter they're gonna sell andre onana to man united for around i think 50 million or something so they're gonna have the money to buy summer from us and well that's summer sorted there but we have a certain other option which has come up in the media very recently just literally out of nowhere which is oh my god i'm gonna have to say his name um Mamar Darshali or something? How do yes. you say it? Just like you did. And I'm not even going to try. Okay. Um, yes. So what what do you think about him? I don't know anything about him. I yes, just I'd... saw his name pop out. And I said, wait, yeah, who I've is never, this guy? Never heard of him before um, he got linked with us. So I've not even watched a highlight competition of him. So I don't know. I, don't, I know he's 22 years old. And I know he plays for Valencia in La Liga. So that's it. And he would cost around 20 million euros, which is not a small amount, but not a large amount either, given that he is being talked about as a successor to Manuel Noir. We would have to ask someone to tell us what this guy is about. But, well, like, even if he does come, right, we would still be planning with Manuel Noir as our number one for the foreseeable future, right? Yeah. And... To be honest, in January, when we got Jan Zomer, I was kind of disappointed. I thought we could have just gone in with Ulreich because as much as I love Zomer, at the end of the day, I did not think, well, well, I thought Zomer would be a successful shot stopper. I didn't think Zomer would be a seamless fit in the squad. Yeah, uh, Zomer's distribution genuinely, like, the thing is that I know that Zomer is a great goalkeeper and being on the other end of his shot-stopping performances many times as a Bayern Munich fan, I know that he is a great goalkeeper, in fact. But seeing him on the pitch for Bayern Munich made me appreciate Manuel Neuer all that much more, even though we don't have the best version of Neuer on the pitch these days. He is still one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now. And we genuinely do need him back. And I don't think that even getting this guy, um, Mamar Dash, really... Okay, I'll say if he ends up joining, we, we're going to have to learn his name, which I'm not looking forward to, but okay. Um, when We need Derek Ray to tell us how to say this name because before that, I have no idea. If he yeah. comes here, if he comes here, he's not he's going to be back up for at least a season or two, right? Is he, like, do you see Manuel Noir giving it up in a season or two? Do you think that we saw and we saw a report that he thinks that he can play till he's 40. And the kind of stranglehold he has at Bayern Munich, he, there are reports that we might be hiring Tony Tepalovic back. So given the kind of stranglehold he has on Bayern Munich, don't you think that it might not make a lot of sense to sign Mamar Dashley? Because we saw what happened to Alex Nubel, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't... Is, Bayern is so... I don't know why Bayern has such a tough time grappling with the fact that Manuel Neuer just holds a lot of power. And whoever they bring in, Neuer, it's not Bayern who decides when Neuer quits. It almost feels like it's Neuer who decides when Neuer quits. And, but also just going back to the Jan Zomer point, we're talking about a very good goalkeeper against a keeper who revolutionized the position. Yeah. Yeah, English pundits will never give him enough credit for it. But you hear whispers on and off that Neuer changed what it means to play as a goalkeeper. And he really did. 
keepers now have to be good with their feet. They can no longer, you know, stand in goal on the goal line and do their thing. And that's all down to Neuer. So whoever we get to replace Neuer in the upcoming years, I think will be a down step, will be a step down regardless. But I think Neuer generally means that he can play till 40. I also think Bayern should let Zomer leave. And I think Bayern should just fall back on Sven Ulreich as a backup for now and just see how this plays out till January. Because if Neuer's knees are good. Yeah. Yeah. What about Alex Nubo? That's him. So I kind of consider him and Sabitzer almost in a similar boat. Guys, guys out on loan who we don't know what to do with. I think Bayern should sell. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of guys that we need to sell <laughs> that we have not sold. That yes. is the entire point, right? We have to sell Sabitzer. We have to sell Nubel. We have to sell Lucas. We have to sell Pavard. And then there's the other things that we maybe want to sell Upamakana. Maybe want to sell Matsurai. What is going on, right? Why is there so much squad overhaul? It, it It's like there's a vacancy somewhere yeah. in the, yeah. the primary maybe, board. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone in charge of transfers. But what would you call him? Maybe a sporting director or something. Ah, revolutionary, that, right? That, that would be revolutionary. I wonder if Bayern will consider that. But yeah. in the meantime, I'll be honest, I, I, I don't get what Bayern was ever thinking about Alex Nubel, to be honest with you. Like, Same. I don't I don't know what they saw in him, first of all. Second of all, I don't know why they got him when Manuel Neuer was still going strong. And third, I don't know why they didn't just cash in instead of sending him on loan. Because... The first season at Monaco, he was good, and Monaco might have bought him. But after that second season, he he's no longer wanted there. So yeah, we we. I we actually have, have a theory about yeah, this. Yeah, what what is this? It's, think about think about the number of times that Bayern has tried to replace Muller. We got oh Coutinho, man. we got James Rodriguez, and Bayern did everything because Bayern knows the power that Muller holds. Even with Tuchel, just a few times that uh, Muller was on the bench and Muller wasn't fully fit a few of those times last season the voices in the media started to go off. And it wasn't really even Muller saying that much or saying much of anything at all. But he holds a lot of power. And Bayern knows that Neuer holds that kind of a pa- that kind of power. They got Nubel with the intention that maybe quietly either Neuer would step away or Bayern would be able to make the argument that, oh, we have the second keeper who's, who's just brilliant and we can play him. Except that's not how power works. Exactly. And I think Bayern made the same mistake with Neuer that they made with Muller. And it every single time it has proved costly to Bayern. And it's like this lesson is never learned. Yes, eventually you have to replace Muller and Neuer. That time was never three years ago. That time wasn't two years ago. In fact, that time isn't even now. So in haste, even look at what happened with Lewandowski. Even that was done in haste. Lewandowski held a different kind of power at Bayern. And yes, we lost him because of the pursuit of Erling Haaland. But I can't imagine Bayern was happy with the kind of power that Lewandowski held as well. So it's, I think it's almost that Bayern is wrestling with these players so that they can give more power to the coach. And that failed horribly with Julian Nagelsmann. And it is pretty much destined to fail with Tuchel. Guess what? When he starts next season, I can tell you, like, I'm 95, 96% sure that Muller will start on the bench. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% sure. It's going to be him yeah. on the bench. We're going to have the same questions because this is, it happens every time. It happens every yeah. two years, right? Every every yeah. one and a half years that a coach comes in, they think they can bench Muller. They bench him and then they find out why he always plays, right? Yeah, it, it, just... it doesn't work. 
It hasn't it's, worked for and 10 it's going years, to be the cause for years. him. It's yeah. going to it's going to be the reason he gets sacked. So it's almost a foregone conclusion. But my problem is that there's going to be someone after Tuchel, right? Yeah. And my question is that are we building the right squad for whoever it is that comes in next season? Let's say hypothetically, someone like you, Pintus, if he were to take over the squad, would he have the tools at his disposal to win a treble? And right now, I don't think so. There is, There are the bones of a good squad here, but we are just missing that last couple of moves to really finalize things. And that includes both buying and selling. I think for whatever reason, after the Limer and Guerrero things, I think that things have slowed down a little bit too much for my liking. It is already like early July. We should have our major business conducted by mid-July at the latest. Kim Min-Jae, that's a very solid signing, but he can't just be the only one. And it can't just be Kim Min-Jae and Kyle Walker. You can't just be signing defenders in a season like this, especially after what we just saw last season, right? I mean, it needs to make yes. a comeback, in my opinion. So it is time. It is time to open the purse strings and it's time to maybe be a bit more aggressive with getting some players off the roster and to new destination clubs. Whether that be Sadio Mane, Marcel Sabitzer, Nubo, etc., etc. There is no reason we couldn't spend almost 300 million in transfer fees and generate 110, 150 million in sales, right? Yeah. Yeah. I also. I think our squad is really, really good, but I also think it's, I sometimes think, so the, the back line, everything, you know, over there, I think is pretty solid. But sometimes I think we give our triumvirate, I mean, I love Coman, but Coman, Sane, and Gennabry, yeah. a little too much credit. They, I mean, Coman has probably been the most consistent of those three, especially because he's such a hard worker. But Sani has shown glimpses of talent. He's also a really, you know, a hard worker who I would actually see. I would love to see if he tried at wing back. I'd like to see how that works for him. We have so... too many wing backs. <laughs> we do have too many wing backs and back threes and whatnot. Uh, I also think Kane is that missing piece, which is why it's crucial to get him. Um, I think a lot relies on that transfer and that going through. And then if Tuchel is able to use him successfully, then Tuchel might be able to get away with benching, dare I say it, with benching Muller. It's not going to happen. It's not that easy. <laughs> it's, it's not. And it's they have to get done with the sales first. The season is, I think we kick off the Super Cup against Leipzig on the 12th of August, something like that. It's not that far away. And usually by that time, Bayern's business is all wrapped up. Last year, by the end of July, pretty much all business was wrapped up and Sadio Mane was in um, D.C. playing for Bayern. So, yeah, it was just yeah. Delict who came in a bit, a little bit late, but even he was there on the first day of training in preseason. So, yeah, yeah. Delict was actually one of those transfers that really is a standout in the last few years because it was we buy and transfer. We had no rumors and suddenly rumor that we are interested. We make a few bids and suddenly it's completely sealed and finished. And it's we had to face competition from Chelsea. So it, it's not like Dilik didn't have options. And he ended up being the perfect transfer, the best player of our last season. So we need more transfers like that is what we yeah. are basically saying. More Dilik-esque yeah. transfers. Instead, we keep getting these guys like Harry Kane, which is more like a Sané-esque transfer where we keep going after this one guy, there is doubt whether he wants to join us. You're providing every incentive. And then there's also a very obstinate EPL club in the way, trying to block us at every turn. 
it's kind of annoying how we get involved in one of these sagas every season. And it's kind of telling that Bayern Munich has to go more and more to the EPL to get the quality players that we need rather than shopping in cheaper leagues like League One or Serie A or just shopping in the Bundesliga itself. I think this is a sign of things to come, but I hope that it's not a sign of our modus operandi going forward because it's going. It's not something that we can keep doing. It's something that we can do once or twice to you know, give ourselves a boost and keep pace with the top dogs, but it's not something that we can keep doing every two, three years to keep rejuvenating the squad by buying someone from the EPL who is already an established star. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and also... Bayern's track record and breaking their own transfer record is kind of iffy at best. Javi Martinez was at the time he broke the transfer record and he was obviously a brilliant signing. Yes, exactly. But beyond that, Tolisso, well, who well, cost a well, lot, you know. Well, think about it, okay? Yeah. Javi Martinez, we broke the transfer record on him and we won the treble. Lucas Hernandez, we broke the transfer record on him, we won the treble. So it only, <laughs> it only no. makes sense... That when we break the transfer record on Harry Kane, we win the treble, right? That's how it works. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know what? There may be something in that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I'll, I'll, we'll go with optimism here. Is it I just, optimism or is it complete delusion? It's it's delusion at this point because I just, I'm so pessimistic about this Kane thing. And I think... At the end, and yes, we keep going back to Kane, it will come down to how hard Kane is willing to push for it. He comes back from training. Bayern said their piece. He knows what he has at Bayern. Now the question is, what is he willing to do? Is he willing to sit a season on the bench to just make Daniel Levi well, mad? You know? I don't think he would do that. Because mm -hmm. that's that's going on strike is something that early Hernes hates. So it's not right. a, it's not it's not a it's not a tactic that we've used. It's something that Barcelona do. And I think that therefore we would not go that far but instead because it kind of it kind of poisons the well you know you can do it once but the next time every other club becomes more wary of doing business with you so i think it's the right option to not force kane into doing that to make sure that kane stays professional throughout but it's also going to make this particular transfer very difficult because levy seems like a man who's not going to listen to reason very easily you know yeah yeah, so I'm just I'm waiting for it to be mid July at this point, and and then here then... Harry Kane has signed a contract extension uh, with Tottenham worth X Y Z. You know, yeah. we, we might we might be hearing that. Which if we do hear that, I'm gonna write every single Kane slander article I can think of because holy, I can't say that word which I was gonna say, but yes, it's it's it would be insane to me to reject. Buying Munich at this stage, I just don't know what would go through his head to do that. You know, the I, I thing is, the thing is that yeah. we are fans, so we can't, yeah, we can't really see it from Kane's perspective. But come on, man, come here, win the Champions League, you will be remembered. Yeah, you will be okay. Yeah, and you might, he's you not, might face, you're gonna face yeah. Arsenal in, you're gonna face <laughs> Arsenal in the Champions League, and you know what happens with buying face Arsenal. <laughs> so it's gonna be perfect. Come on, man, come on, Harry Kane. If you're listening to this, this is the time. This is it. This is when you secure a legacy. Every Bayern Munich fan in the world will be cheering for you if you come here. And it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great if you come here, but if you don't, be ready for the slander because we do it really well. Okay. You know, send that recording of the seven, what was it, seven two, right? Yeah, the seven to two his, for yeah. for for about three, four months, Serge Gnabry was the top scorer in Spurs' new stadium. 
<laughs> so yeah right. that was that's how that's how good the seven two was so yeah right. let's let's remind him or something yeah. i don't know but if kane does reject us i would rather it sooner rather than later come back from holiday make a decision in two days when if he's going to reject yeah. us yeah say it would it rather now. not It'll be in time. the last few days of the transfer window because yeah like we know what happened the last time we made panic buys at the end of the transfer window remember Ooh. we got bunasar <laughs> we still have Bunasar. We still have Bunasar. We still we got, that's sale. another guy we need to sell. We haven't sold. <laughs> I totally forgot we still have Bunasar. I, I completely books. forgot as well. We haven't sold him either. And all of these guys oh, make millions and millions and millions in wages. Yeah. Yeah. We we've just like we've we've <sighs> we've mentioned like six, five, six players that we need to sell that we haven't sold. It's oh. it's insane. It's an absolutely insane. And it just kind of goes to show that. Maybe people talked a little bit too much about the incoming transfers and not enough about the outgoing ones and how we should be focusing on them. Can we even spend the hundred billion plus voted on Harry Kane without making sure that some of these guys are moved on? I don't know. Especially since we're still paying Nagelsmann severance and Brazo severance and Khan severance and probably oh two show severance very soon. Yeah. <laughs> Steve yeah. Byron was smart about that. Give him a two and a half year contract. No well, fooling around. <laughs> I mean, why would he accept that? He he got a three-year contract, which is effectively, like, given that, given how we tend to sack players, sack coaches, that's basically a one-year contract, honestly, given how yeah. things work out. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, I think, I think we've yeah. said our piece because at this point yeah. we're going in circles. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. This was Bavarian Podcast Works, Samran and I Need No Name. You can find us on the rotting corpse of Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. <laughs> and you can find us on any podcasting platform, Spotify, Google, Apple, and whatever else. We are not yet on threads. I don't know what Tom and Chuck are thinking about that, but if we are, we will tell you on our Twitter account, which is quite ironic. And we can find us on our blog. You can comment there and join the discussion. And we hope to hear from you because I don't see this as being this particular topic, this outgoing transfers and the incoming transfers and their dichotomy being discussed much. So please do tell us what you think about this and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening and good night. Take care.